If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are Where's Huddle with me, Bram? No Marcus today, but I am fired up to announce that our master of all things sound, Maxime, is with me. How's it going? And I am fired up to reveal that rejoining us after far too long, the Golden State beat writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, a man who covers every Warriors practice, press conference, shoot around, and game, and the owner of the hottest and most sweat inducing apartment in Alameda, California, Mr. Connor Letourneau. What's going on, Connor? Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course, man. We miss you. Uh, It has been far too long. I am proud to say that we are not in your apartment today. I won't drown from sweat, which is a giant upside. Any uh, technology advancements at your house? Did you get air conditioning, anything like that? No, not quite. I, I was just telling Wes earlier that I pretty much avoid my apartment these days i'm just not ever there and it's nothing against my roommate i just i just am never there so i couldn't even really tell you a lot of details about it <laughs> two follow-up quick ones one the last time i was there i think i lost about eight pounds and just water weight just from the sweat and two never answer to a charge before it's been made nobody brought up your roommate in any way and now this makes me feel like you hate your roommate but we don't have to jump down that in particular rabbit hole instead let's announce our second guest a man whose name we've already heard the Bay Area News Group's Warriors Specialist, the host of the Locked On Warriors podcast, and the world leader in getting Kai Bowman to use the phrase 94 feet in a media scrum, Mr. Wes Goldberg. What's going on, man? What's up? <laughs> Have you had the pleasure of visiting uh, Connor's pictureless yet remarkably <laughs> hot house? It's, it's, it is warm. <laughs> and um, there's no food. And uh, there's a TV that I'm not sure is plugged in. Never turned it on my entire life. (laughs) It's the weirdest (laughs) place. I associate with everything you just said except for warm. We use that word differently. We're talking like in excess of 150 degrees. In case you forgot, I'm from Florida. (laughs) That's right. And I am bracing myself for at least... 50 positive Miami Heat references today. I've so, got them ready to go. Yeah, that's that's fantastic to hear. Uh, it is what it is. And I can also add... Have last you seen Bam Adebayo lately? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not talking about Bam Adebayo. I will make one last Connor reference, and then we'll move on to the Warriors. But you mentioned that he has no food in the house, which is incredible, because there's never been a louder refrigerator in the history of the world. So I don't know what's going on with the noise of that refrigerator, if it's not actually cooling food, but that's a question. It's for- a good point. I, I realized the second time we turned off the refrigerator and Connor was like make sure you turn it back on why bud there's no food in there because it's the only thing that cools down his house dude (laughs) if without the thing it'd be like 4,000 degrees but I digress this is not the uh, Connor's apartment huddle it is the Warriors huddle so we will move on and actually talk about the Warriors and let's start gentlemen with my most uh, anticipated and my favorite topic the off the court report so if you're new to the pod 
concept is easy. These boys enjoy access to the team that we can only dream of. Certainly, we watch every minute that happens on the floor, but they go beyond that. They travel with the team. They see the team's practices, whole nine yards, so they see these guys off of it. So here, we take advantage of that. I shut up, give them the mic, ask for a story, see what they got. Boys, anything? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Let the record reflect. I asked them before, do you guys have an off-the-court report? And there seemed to be generalized panic. Like, they probably had something, and something would come up when we put them on the spot. No. But I don't feel like something's coming up now. I'm trying to think of where we were. I went to Connor's hometown in Portland. That was fun. Uh, yeah, I got. He met my, all my best friends. We're trying to think of Warriors related topics. And, <laughs> oh, you like, know, like Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, like, <laughs> Warriors content. That was good stuff. Big but, Warriors fan. Uh, that has you a, know, a more Warriors. Just like it's hard for us Connor's to come hometown. up with. Just like it's hard for us to come up with Warriors stories, right? Right now, given the state of the team, it's hard for us to come up with off the court because I think part of it is that. The, the the young guys are just so nice and genuine that you, there's not a lot of weird interactions that happen. There's not a lot of, um, you know, that that kind of stuff that, that occurs behind the scenes like they're used to. With, with last season, there was no shortage with Kevin Durant and Draymond and all the drama going on. But this season, it's like these guys are all 22, 23 years old, hanging out liking each other's company it's a pretty chill vibe i will jump in here and try to rescue this segment <laughs> you know the, the idea that there's not gonna be any stories there was a bomb threat in utah that happened <laughs> that was a while ago dude but yeah yeah I, look I, 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 I pulled up the schedule uh <laughs> you so, have a bomb threat story and you talked about his hometown first <laughs> yeah and we got donuts um but <laughs> Uh, no, there was a bomb threat in Utah. We were in Salt Lake City. It was my first time in Salt Lake City, actually. Uh, first year on the beat here. And um, we're doing the whole post-game thing. Steve Kerr, post-game media scrum, couple players, blah, blah, blah. And then one of the PR guys comes up and he's like, hey, you know, we got to hurry this up. And I was like, all right, you know, they probably got like a flight, like early flight to catch or whatever it is. Like, no big deal. It happens all the time. And then I walk into the locker room and everybody's like packing up their stuff. And the Warriors are not, like, you know, basketball players post game don't hurry ever. <laughs> they're kind of doing their own thing. And they, these guys were hurrying. They were getting their things. They were in there packing their bags, leaving. And all of a sudden I hear one person say, oh, yeah, something happened up at the concourse level or something's outside. And, like, and then slowly I figure out that there's a bomb threat. Meanwhile, I'm trying to do my job. I'm trying to gather quotes. I'm trying to do things. So I'm like just superficially like paying attention to this stuff. Trying to get Kai Bowman to use the phrase 94 feet. Yeah, it's super least, hard to do at that least with pressure. A couple times. Yeah. yeah, and I need to be like thinking hard. And um, <laughs> But all this stuff's happening, and then we basically are the now the cameramen start packing up their cameras before the last interviews. And they're basically saying, you, so you have to move this stuff. And then people are, security guards are saying, no, leave it there. You have to come back and get it. Oh my God. And yeah. now we're realizing, like, oh, this is a, and, like, somebody says, this is a bomb threat. You, like, we're, Connor and I start walking back to the media room, yeah. and they're like, "No, you can't go to the media room. You need to leave." And we're like, uh, "I'm like, like I'm on deadline, dude. Yeah, like, we're literally on. <laughs> I literally deadline. have to file right now." And so we, luckily, our hotel was. We were both staying at right the Marriott the right across the street from the arena, and so we just walked back our ho to our hotel and filed in the lobby of the Courtyard Marriott in downtown Salt Lake City. Shout out! Shout out! Um, but. It, 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 otherwise, we would have had to file literally just outside on a bench or something because in like our deadline was coming up. We were like 20, 30 minutes from deadline, and 
we were told you cannot go back to the media room. And to go back a little bit, from my vantage point, it was really funny because Raymond Ritter, who's the PR guru for the Warriors, we're, we're all standing in the in the locker room waiting to talk to guys. And uh, one of the security staffers goes in and pulls Ray aside and tells him in very excited, hushed tones what's going on with the bomb threat. And Ray comes over to me and doesn't even really say anything to anyone. He's just he's just very calm. I'm like, what was that? He's like, oh, there's a there's a bomb threat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. At least he told you the way that this was initially presented to us, the hierarchy of information. It's like they came to you boys, were like, okay, you may want to do these interviews kind of fast or something going on, and then right. they went to the players, like, this place is about to explode. You may want to. <laughs> like, cover they up. were so laissez faire about. They're like, oh, there's a bomb threat. Yeah. Okay, so. <laughs> well, um, Thank you for checking the schedule. We ended up having a story. Yeah. This is much better than your calm uh, explanation of, oh, no, Bram, there's not going to be any stories from this year. These no. guys are all super happy. <laughs> He's like, super yeah, happy. like best But friends. the bomb threat, though. Yeah, but there was also a bomb threat. Yeah. Well, from my perspective, um, I have, and we'll call it a off-the-court transition as opposed to an off-the-court report because it's not a great story. But I, in fact, had an opportunity to go to practice today. In fact, I even asked Draymond Green a question. Earlier, you were saying that Marquise was able to develop in the environment here in Golden State. What is it about the environment in Golden State that allows players to develop? Uh, I think, you know, this is a top organization. Um, you know, a great organization and credit to our ownership group. Um, you know, our front office staff, our coaching staff, uh, you know, it's puts guys in a position to be successful, and that's not the case everywhere. Um, and then you got, you know, I think it's also a credit to the players as well. You know, kind of, we've kind of built a, a great culture here, and, you know, you come here, it's not, you kind of got to learn to fit into the culture. And then, you know, you learn to fit into the culture, and then you can excel in your game. But the culture that's been built here is important, and you know it's it's obviously been proven to be a recipe for success. Which I was crazy nervous about for sure. Can I, can I interject here? I was standing right next to Bram, and I saw him in my peripheral vision, and I, I it's hard to articulate it without the listener being able to see me. But he kept like going in to ask the question and getting all excited and kind of getting up physically for it, and then. And then pulling back and then trying again and then pulling back. How many times did you do the almost question? At least four. So internally you go through the, I'm not going to ask anything. I'm just going to watch it. No, 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 I should. I am here. I think I have something to say. I'm going to say, oh no, somebody else is talking. So I asked a good question. I did. did. Thank you, man. I did that ramp up multiple times, but this transition comes from before that question even happened. So I'm neurotic. You guys know that. And one of the portions of my neurosis is I like to get to play Cersei or places early. So I got to this place early. Go in and I thought you said play Cersei. I, are gonna I did say that. Thing. Thing. That's very well, interesting. Yeah, it, it is, is that, what I said. It's not what I was looking or, for. Okay. Yeah. Also, I was hoping we we're going to be able to edit that portion out, and now that's an impossibility. So <laughs> thank you, Wes. <laughs> yourself and your mom's story. But I show up to the media room, and Wes and Connor and Monty Poole are all in a room having a heated discussion about whether or not the Warriors can actually bring in Yanni Santetokounmpo, not as a trade chip, but literally as a free agency addition. And the thing that really struck me is, I mean, we have these kind of conversations all the time. And Warrior fans have these conversations all the time. But generally speaking, they're alcohol-fueled, factless, you know, just passion conversations. These fools not only were going deep into the luxury 
luxury tax implications. They had a Microsoft Excel sheet up with everybody's salary, figuring it all the way out. And when I tried to give Wes about that, he calmly explained to me that he is a Microsoft Excel expert and he likes to work those in. So just an amazing uh, display of how to figure out whether or not someone is gonna join the Warriors. And the reason why it's a transition is because it brings up my favorite topic for this year. This concept of even though the Warriors are awful, let's say this year, very soon a ton of talent is going to be coming in and changing everything, right? So let's use that. What I wanna do is a really quick segment with you guys. I'm gonna give you guys a name and then two questions associated with the name. Question one, scale of one to 10, how likely is it that the Warriors can bring in that player? Trade, free agency in any way, right? Question two, if they were somehow able to bring them in and considering what they would have to give up to bring that person in, how much would that addition help the Warriors win a championship? These names will be familiar. They're not pulled out of thin air. They we're right next to the February 6th trade deadline. So there's names getting thrown around, right? We've heard a lot of these. So let's go through them and let's start with the one you guys have already researched. Antetokounmpo, right? One to 10, how likely is it that he comes here? Can I include one stipulation to this game that I didn't make up that you made up? Yes. Uh, we can't use seven. <laughs> at, any, at any point? No. Because a, a scale from number. one to ten, it's a crutch number. No seven. Okay. I, I like that. Done. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I also forgot to tell you guys one more rule. You cannot use sevens. Whatever happens, it's a crutch number, so you cannot use that. Brand, that's a great really idea. Good idea. You know, I really appreciate that. Oh, Thank you, Maxime. You know I like it when you say that, and this one felt really appropriate. So yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. It's weird you guys didn't come up with that, but I got your back. So the rule's in place. You've got the player. What do you got? What was the player? <laughs> My God, you add a rule and forget the question, dude. You got to um, remember the, the question. So obviously th- this wouldn't happen this season or at the deadline, but it would, it would probably happen in summer 2021 when he becomes or could become a free agent. He's going to be offered uh, an extension next summer, uh, five-year, $250 million. And if he does not accept that, things will get very interesting. Yeah. Um, and I have a feeling that it could be a, a situation where all we're writing about or talking about next season is the Giannis factor. So given the fact that the Bucks are going to play in Chase Center for the first time tomorrow, we both ended up writing our own things about that possibility. And to break it down, I think it's more possible than you might think I think people hear that and they think it's absurd. How could that happen? Well, people said the same thing about Kevin Durant back in 2015. And one thing that I've learned covering the Warriors for four years is that you should never underestimate Bob Myers or, for that matter, Joe Lacob's checkbook. And if they like a guy, they can probably figure out a way to get him. And um, and there's, there's also a really solid relationship there between Steph Curry and Giannis they have the same agent they hang out they they're both very Christian they 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 come from the same cloth so um to to answer your question I I would put it at a three which (laughs) which I thought I got so excited man I thought we were heading for like an eight a three you bastard like I I thought people would assume it's like a zero I mean (laughs) I, I did assume it was a zero until that really well put soliloquy. And then a three? I feel like you sucked me in and they just pulled the carpet right out from under me, man. It's, it's a, a three. That's a good bit. I like that. Uh, I was going to go one. So, yeah, yours is definitely higher than mine. Um, all the things you said, 
Plus, like, yeah, with Bob Myers and and Steve Kerr and Joe Lacob during this sort of tenure, they have shown a propensity. No, to, I'm not going to let you tell me that they they showed a propensity to like bring anybody in or anything is a possibility. Just if like your numbers are one, if your numbers are one, like you can't tell swing. me that it's a possibility. A one is a possibility. Ten <laughs> percent chance. Based it was on, a one to ten scale, dude. Yeah. There wasn't a zero. Where is my... So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. If there's ever been a time for me to play that sound effect, there it is. One so means no chance. Both, so what did we do? We we probably wrote a combined 2,700 words, 3,000 words yeah. on how the Warriors can get Giannis, and both of us were like, it's not happening. Yeah. I mean, so let me let me distill it to a single question you just did. Um, but, I mean, this is the big sexy topic this year, right? I mean, the we have D'Angelo. We have these ideas that we might be able to trade out for him. So I'll admit to you, as a Warriors fan, it's one of the things I will fantasize about, all right? But that's what it is for me. It's a fantasy. I've never had a Microsoft Excel sheet. Do you want Giannis? Yes. Well, let me ask you, you yes. both you would, of you, would a you break up? Would you break up that championship trio for Giannis? Would you, lose, would you lose Clay? You Got might it. have to lose Clay. Let me answer those in, t- in, in turn, okay? First one, do I want Giannis? Yes. Not just because of his addition, but because of what that signifies to the rest of the NBA. That the that this is still the place to come if you're a free agent and that we will always be a part of the title conversation. That really speaks to me and I'd like that to be reestablished. What would I be willing to give up? You're asking me the three players. I'm imagining that's the Splash Brothers and Dre. Kills me to say it. If it's Draymond Green for for you know Antetokounmpo, yes. It's a no-brainer. Yes. Yeah. Um, if it is Clay, that's a lot harder for me, but it gets a little bit easier when he's on this side of his injury. I have no idea who Clay is anymore, and or who Clay is anymore. And Yanis is is from what I can tell, conclusive proof of human evolution. You know, so like if we could actually bring him in, I would do it in a second. But here's my question. All of our stuff is bullshit bar conversation. And I've had that bullshit bar conversation a thousand times. I've never looked at the luxury tax. I've never looked at the people. I've never written a collective 20,000 words. You guys now have, right? After the research, after the words, after the thought, if you had to bet a rent payment on whether or not Yanis becomes a warrior, what would you bet? I would not bet that. I would say no. I would not. I'll, but let me say this. If the circumstances were such that we knew that he was not going, he was not resigning with yep. Milwaukee. Yep. I would think the Warriors have a very good. Yep. That's a good point. If, if he's soon as we, if if we cross that think, threshold, the Warriors are right, right there. But I the think other thing, the Warriors have the second best chance of any team in the NBA of getting Giannis. Number one is Milwaukee. Yeah, and Milwaukee has a ninety-five percent chance of landing him. Yeah. So is there is there any situation like where he turns down the next contract? Where he stays with Milwaukee, spectacular City. first round loss, right? Like, let's say they get in and they lose. I don't know who what the matchups would be, but if they come in there and they have a terrible, although they're not losing them, to the Magic in the no, first round, and, it's not and it makes it more susceptible to a uh, a trade than a free agency, right? That's right? Because what we're talking about is not this year, but the yeah. next. But there's got to be something really ugly that happens with him in Milwaukee that would make him think, I don't have a shot here. You know, and then like if he thinks that, and that's what Connor is saying, if you've got to look other places, well, there's no brighter horizon than here in Golden State. We can offer you more money and a championship shot immediately. But if he's already happy where he's at, and he kind of strikes me as that dude who wouldn't mind playing his whole career in a right. single place. No, nah, I mean this is he, a guy who like grew up like peddling fake purses. Like Milwaukee is 
is yeah. Nirvana for this guy. Yeah. I mean, it, it's and so I don't. He's also a loyal dude, and he's yeah. his whole family's out there. He lives in a mansion out there with his fiance and brother. They signed his brother, right? I mean, his brother plays for that team, so they and they treat him the right way. Give me the ten, just because I know it is. If by some miracle, and they won't happen, I heard what you guys said. But if by some miracle they were able to land onto Takumpo, now he's a member of the Warriors on a scale of one to ten. How much would he help the Warriors' title chances? Assume it costs him Clay. Twenty. Assume it costs him Clay. Sure. Still a twenty. I mean, you look at it. There, I know. A, I know. Twenty six. Stockton. Stockton. Malone. Kobe. Shaq. I mean, Curry. Giannis would be the greatest guard big man duo ever. Like you out of the All Star game. There. There are no two players that that affect that bend a defense the way that those two players do, and they do it in the complete opposite ways, right? Because yeah. Steph completely takes all of your attention beyond the arc. But you can't leave Giannis alone anywhere within 10 feet of that basket. And I don't know what your decision is at that point if you're a defense. I, I really don't. It reminds me of someone else whose name rhymes with Mevin Durant, you know, but it, it is what it is. Um, yeah, but even to that, like Giannis, I mean, what he does pressuring the, the basket is yeah. incredible. He's younger, the, the, the Everybody thing- talks about how, how efficient the three-point shot is, but what Giannis is able to do in the post, what he's able to do near the basket is as efficient as... James Harden, Steph Curry from three-point range. And he's getting one point fewer every basket. I think that if he ends up truly being on the market and it's not going back to Milwaukee, that the Warriors will be willing to give up whatever they need to give up to get him for the sole reason that come 2021, he will only be 26 years old. And at that time, Clay will be 31, Draymond will be 31. Or, yeah, Draymond will be 31 and Steph will be 33. And you're you're very much at the back end of your prime at that point. And the Warriors' goal has always been to follow that Spurs model where they're relevant for 20-plus years. And I honestly feel like Giannis is their best way to do that. You pair him with, you know, a lottery pick or or something like that. And, And also keep in mind, we were looking at the numbers today. They could still keep, under this scenario, they can still keep Eric Paschal. Yep. They can still keep Alan Smilagic. I think Smilagic is for real. Yep. I think Pascal's going to be a very good player for a long time. You wrote an amazing article on Smilagic that we are going to be talking about today. I will add to that. Another thing we were talking about that in media room. Um, one of the advantages supposedly of Chase Center, once we're out of the hard cap, is this idea that it's a black Amex card, that the luxury tax means nothing. If there's any truth to that, I can't imagine a foundation that would be sexier to potential free agents than Yanis and Steph. You know, so if we yeah. lose Clay, but then they then had to turn to a free agency market and had these two guys as the pillars, something tells me they could bring in another talent pretty easily. And I also think that if you're Giannis, I don't think that you want to sign with the Warriors without Clay. If you are Giannis and you're like, look, all I want to do is go in a championship. The reason I'm leaving Milwaukee is to win a championship. I, I can do that with Clay Thompson. Yeah. And if all he has to do is sacrifice, let's call it seven million, Maybe six million, seven million. Yeah. It's about six. I think he would do it. Yeah. I think he would do it. I'm just guessing. I'm just trying to get in this guy's mind. But like, doesn't that make way more sense? And also understanding like how much more uh, the endorsements that you get after winning a championship and all these yeah. things. Are you trying to toy with my emotions? I feel like you're trying to make me believe that he might be able to come here. But in the back of my mind, I remember that you gave me a one and you gave me a three. So these are not actual positives. Yeah, For the sole reason that I think he's going back to Milwaukee. Yeah. But if he wasn't going back to Milwaukee, <laughs> there's a good chance that he'd end up a warrior. There's yeah. also like the Miami Heat should, could get involved too. I but God damn you, it. he actually believes. God that. damn it, Wes! I just I, I will not entertain any Miami Heat takes. I've been nothing but straightforward about that exact opinion. Let me but, give you another name. Wait, before we jump, before we move on, I'm I'm curious. I, to what extent we all know that Giannis is a very loyal person, 
and I and I buy that. But he's also crazy competitive. That's right. And at what point do we feel like the competitive thing wins? I mean, it's fine. Like right now, they're number one in the East. Milwaukee looks great. They have every. They're likely to end up in the NBA Finals for sure. Are they likely to win a championship this year? Uh, jury is still out, right? And so, at what point? I mean, I, I like. I know that this is what everybody's saying, but I mean, like, let's look it in the face. At what point does it actually turn into like, oh, he's not going to win, right? Like things like Malcolm Brogdon getting traded away yeah. matter, kind of. It's his competitiveness that's at the backbone of this discussion. It's literally what we're saying, yeah. right? If if he believes they've got a title shot in Milwaukee, then there's a ninety five percent chance he stays there. If he believes that they don't have a title shot in Milwaukee, if he's not going to walk away with the ring, the thing that would distinguish him as a superstar he believes him to be, then he'll look somewhere else, you know? Um, but right now, currently, as we sit here recording, they yeah. are the best team in the league. They have the best record. The Warriors are the second worst. Yeah, yeah, right. Now, you know, there's there's optimism. There's reasons to believe why the Warriors will turn it back around. But there's practical realities here that we at least have to acknowledge, you know, and, and these are one of them. And a Bucks fan would tell you, "Oh, hey, we're on our way to our second sixty-win season. We're gonna, we got a, a open lane to the NBA Finals and stuff." But if they, if they don't, if they screw the pooch again in the postseason, yeah. that is a real thing. I think that's a legitimate, that's a legitimate argument. If you're a Warriors fan, is like, look, there's a proven track record here in Golden State where we can get to the playoffs, we can win. I think that the Bucks really do have to make a trade. They really do. Whether yeah. I don't know who it's gonna be for, but like. They do need to make a move here to say, not only to signal to to Giannis, like, hey, we're here, we're serious about this, yeah. but they need to improve that roster. And Mike Budenholzer has a history, even with Atlanta, of being a regular season winner yep. and not a postseason winner. And I kind of doubt his game-to-game adjustments in the, in the, in the yeah. postseason. And sure. so they need to do something to prove to Giannis that they can actually win. I mean, these 60-win seasons are nice, but you got to get to the finals. If point. we are more than 30% right about what we're currently guessing, then of course they need to do that. That, that yeah. trade wouldn't just bring in another player. That trade brings them Yanis Antetokounmpo, right? I yeah. mean, like, if, what we're, if literally what we're talking about is earning the heart and mind of this superstar that everyone recognizes as the future of the NBA, then yeah, man, you go all out. You know, it is yeah. what it is. Go broke. You know, what, whatever's in your cabinet, make sure that gets out there and bringing in other players. Let me give you another name. One I'm kind of excited about. So I'm equally bitter and excited bitter because he's on my fantasy team and he's just currently screwing me just screwing my just my eyes out but i love his talent carl anthony towns cat mm. one to ten can he come in what do you think let me preface this by saying that this isn't really a storyline because not, and nothing against the reporter who reported this but i i he what he wrote was that the Warriors are monitoring Carl Anthony Towns. Okay, it's a fair thing to write. But the Warriors are also monitoring every super every other superstar in the NBA and their situation. They're they're really that really doesn't mean anything. It's like saying and I think are they monitoring James Harden? Yes, they are monitoring James Harden. They are monitoring Russell <laughs> Westbrook. They are monitoring everyone. And it's gonna get so aggregated. <laughs> and, uh, I think fans saw that, and their mind goes, "Oh my god, how do we how do we get him? How do, where, where, what's the trade scenario? How does that happen?" Oh it's my like god, you're reading my diary. That's and, exactly what I thought. And like two days after that report serviced, I put I did a, a mailbag, and six of my questions, straight up six of them, were trade scenarios for Cat for Carl Anthony Towns, and I'm like, "Well, this is." I can't really give you trade scenarios when it's a thing that's not even at that phase. No. You know, the Warriors aren't thinking about trade scenarios. They're thinking about, hey, if, if, which is an if, he 
ends up being unhappy in Minnesota and wants out, what would happen then? Okay. They aren't that far along where they're thinking about specifics. So, so you're about to say ten. So, <laughs> if you give me on top of that, on top of that, I don't think he's a great fit with the Warriors. Huh. I don't think that the Warriors feel like they need an All Star level center uh, given their system. I don't think that's something they really care that much about, and. Part of the reason to bring him would be to make D'Angelo Russell happy because they're best friends, and I don't, I don't think D'Angelo is in their long term right. plans. So, I'm going to put it at a two. I'm going to put it even below. And it the sounds Giannis like you would part. also answer the second question because you basically already have assumed that they were somehow able to do it. One to ten, how much does he help their title chances? Low, um, somewhere around the same number. Three, three. Yeah. yeah. He, I, I, I'm personally just not a huge Carl Anthony Towns fan. I don't, I don't think he's a winner. Um, I don't think he has that X factor that that you're looking for okay. in that next piece that's going to put the Warriors over the top. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I follow you on that last that last train of thought, but I do think that the point, like, you made a good point where they don't necessarily need an All Star center. I mean, if you think about the the best possible version of this team, basically is, I'll say Kevin Durant playing center because that's basically what he did. It wasn't really Draymond playing center the last couple of years. If you look at going small like that, now Towns has offensively the capability to space the floor and do all the things that you know Kevin Durant can do. But as far as spacing the floor is concerned, but defensively there's a, there's there's room to grow there. Um, I think that is what they're looking for: is a player that can eventually unlock the next death lineup. And I don't know that Carl Anthony Towns is the player that can do that because the key to the death lineup is not offense, but it's defense. Mm-hmm. And so, and defensive flexibility, and defensive flexibility, and yep. and if you have to move a guy like D'Angelo, like who has a uh, who has a, a, sh- a tough shot making skill set, who has a ball, uh, who as a ball handler, I think generally are more valuable than centers who don't handle the ball. Calling the times handles the ball more than your average center, but compared to a guard, I, I'm I'm with Connor. I don't I'm not sure it's a real fit there. I don't know that the Warriors really look at it as a fit. I, I whatever they're monitoring, I think they're just monitoring, and I just whatever. I would probably put it. I, I'll go with the same thing. I'll just say a two. Why not? Yeah. Let me put it this way: um, on a one to ten, without even getting to the second question, how likely is it that the Warriors make a big trade before the trade deadline? Do you guys think? Zero. I mean, I, I understand there's going to be you know small things, maybe Alec Burks. I mean, the, the clearing the decks kind of trades. Uh, you're saying a D'Angelo Russell trade? Exactly right. Zero. Yeah. You agree? Uh, close to zero. Yeah. Okay. So that, and how about during the off season? This year ends, right? Before next year starts. So we still don't get to see Steph and D'Angelo play. Still zero? Or is there a chance? I think it's that? higher. I think it's higher. I think it depends a lot on what kind of sample size they get at the end of the year with Steph and D'Angelo together. Um, I would say most people would think it's high. My only argument against trading D'Angelo Summer is who are you trading him for? Sure. And what is the package? And, and while I'm, I think that they're, I think that the Warriors would definitely trade D'Angelo Russell for the right player. I don't know that that player is out there. If we've already kind of, yeah. you know, dis- we've already had the Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, discussion. What is the other player that's out there? Like Warriors fans are so quick to like kind of package D'Angelo Russell in this top five pick. I mean, that's a, that's a really really good package. Yep. Who's out there is worth that package? Bradley Beal's not worth that package. That's probably right. I, I would consider it for Carl Anthony Towns. I would, I'll tell you guys that straight out. Only because of that addition at center as opposed to that addition to the backcourt, I can see helping the team a little bit more, and that's what D'Angelo Russell would be. Um, but we don't know, right? We, we have no idea how these pieces fit, which is what will make an offseason move 
a little bit more difficult, which also reminds me the last piece of my terribly told off the court report and transition is that today during the practice, we also saw Steph Curry for about 10 seconds. Um, as we were all leaving the practice and, and media availability ended, it looked like Steph Curry was emerging from the locker room. I've read Twitter and it sounded like he was getting ready to do a, uh, a shooting drill with Bruce Frazier. Mm-hmm. If that in fact is the case, then you know, great man. First indication that he is slowly getting back, which leads into what you were talking about. Maybe we'll have a chance to see all these guys play together and, and make that analysis, but there's no way to ultimately know. Um, Connor, I mentioned it, but let's talk about it. So we're talking about established stars, right? People that they could add that's going to make a gigantic difference to the team. But you recently wrote an article, and we've thrown out the name, that suggests that that guy, the guy who could make a big difference, is already on the team. We're just a couple years away from him. Smilogies, right? And the article was entitled, Alan Smilogies' NBA debut reinforces why Warriors are so high on him. I know you've done a ton of research, both G League, at the NBA level, all of that. So I want to talk to you about him. Let me start here. Let's lay a foundation. Who have you talked to about this player? How many people um, have you have you sourced to get a sense of his talent? Level? A lot, uh, and I know Wes has too. Um, I've I've kind of Wes is actually Wes and I are good friends, you know, beyond just the job. And last season, oh, we actually friends. Yeah, well, well, you guys spent time in Portland together, right? Wes was actually my with favorite me story. when I when we discussed when we discovered Alan Smilagich, we went to a Santa Cruz Warriors game last spring and it was kind of his coming out party toward the end of regular season. He had like 25, 11 and eight against uh, the Agua Caliente Clippers. And it was like his real big first big professional game where he showed his skill set. And we were both sitting there just, you know, drinking beer, hanging out. And we were like, who is this guy? What is going on here? And, and I ended up writing a story on him last season about how the Warriors were kind of hiding him in the G League. And I am proud of myself in saying that the I, I said the whole time, the Warriors are 100% going to draft Alan Smilagic and they're going to do whatever they can to do it. Yep. They obviously proved that by trading up and making sure they yep. got him and hiding him. He did not work out for a single NBA team. They sent him to Belgrade and they said, we got you. Yep. Stay over there. Um, and... Uh, he's showing, in my opinion, why they were so high on him. He's 19 years old. This guy could be a college freshman. He doesn't even has, have his high school degree yet. Uh, and he is he's just so skilled. And I think anyone who's watched these games sees it. There's like little two or three, maybe, two, you know, two or three snippets in each game where you're like, okay, I see the flash. And this guy's 19 years old. You got to know that if you're seeing that flash already, it's going to become more regular, more consistent over time. You told me today during practice at 19, if he somehow found himself back in college, he'd be a lottery pick this year. He would have been a lottery pick this season, this June. And I had several people tell me that last season, people who were around him every day in Santa Cruz saying, if this guy was in the draft um, and was it playing at the college level, he would 100% be a top 10 pick in last year's draft. And they, and they got him at 39. It wasn't, he was averaging 24 at the G League level before they ultimately brought him up, right? Yeah, he was, he was first team all G League showcase. And, you know, these are against, this is against guys 
who were all Americans, you know, guys who were really good college players, you know, maybe they're not going to have NBA careers, but they are legitimate players and he was dominating and, and, you know, he wasn't doing that last season. You you said this to me the other day and it was a great point. Imagine him in the PAC 12 right now. I mean, he'd be the best player in the conference and, and yeah, I mean, obviously a lottery pick, but, uh, and at 19 years old, it's, it's pretty remarkable. And Connor, correct me if I'm wrong, but you said he had no, he had no interest in ever going to college. He just, yeah, he had zero interest in ever. He was not, he's not very, he's a smart guy. He really good basketball IQ, but he has, he's not very academic. Um, his dad didn't go to college. He had no desire to go to college. He, his plan was always to play professionally. Where's he from? He's from Belgrade. Uh, and he, he has a fascinating story. I did a big piece a couple months ago about his background, but basically he is from, uh, a kind of a rough neighborhood in Belgrade. His, his parents weren't very wealthy. Um, he, I think his dad was an electrician. Um, he grew up li- sleeping in a one bedroom apartment with his mom, his dad, and his little sister. Um, and you know, like the 17th story of a, of a high rise in a rough neighborhood of Belgrade. And he, uh, played for a club team that has never produced an NBA player until him. Uh, that was basically a farm system for the bigger clubs. They would like shop. There was such a poor club team that they would shop them to, just to get a, a, a couple of dollars to try to fund yeah. their tournaments and stuff to bigger clubs. He wasn't even on the radar of the big club teams in, in Belgrade, like Red Star, Partizan. Oh. They weren't even aware of him. Like, And I've talked to Kent Lakeup, who discovered him with the Warriors in a gym where – uh, weeds were sprouting from the man- tile floor wow. in Belgrade. Like he was, this guy came from nothing, and they found him. And he, I asked him, like, well, if you hadn't found him, what do you think would have happened? He's like, honestly, maybe eventually, like Belgrade or, or you know Red Star or Partizan would have found him, and he would have done that. And maybe he makes the NBA at like twenty six huh. as like a late second round pick. But you know they've. And it just makes you think about how many undiscovered yes. players there are out there in the world. But, um, you know, he's proving that he belongs. And I think he his just sheer skill level makes me believe that he has the potential to be not just a player who's in the league for a long time, but a guy who can be an all-star level player. His mentality is what really impresses me, right? Uh, you watch G League highlights, and he looks like he is remarkably comfortable and patient in the post. You watch the 11 minutes he played in his debut. He looked like he was remarkably comfortable and fine in the post. Today, at practice, he was doing a three-point um, drill. And I he made, I don't know, 30 40%. wasn't that much. And he celebrated a couple times despite being in front of a, a giant media throng. At 19 years old, when I used to try to, like, buy alcohol illegally with my fake ID, I was panicking. Dude, there wasn't media there. There wasn't any real stakes. But, like, I was 19. I wasn't ready for pressure. The idea that he could do these things is really impressive to me. And I think his, his upside, at least from what I can tell, is sky high. And players just rave about, and coaches too, rave about how many questions he asks. Like, he's huh. always asking questions. And Draymond had a really fascinating quote, at least to me, the other day. He's like, sometimes I just don't answer his questions. Sometimes I just let him figure it out because I know he's going to. I'm paraphrasing. But 
uh, I thought that was fascinating. But doesn't it make you love Draymond too? That, that oh, that's, yeah. that's his oh, approach? Oh, 100%. I'll, I'll like, give you a, Draymond was what? praising his basketball IQ, which is all you need to know. There you go. Yeah. Uh, this is straight from the article. Quote, more than accolades and stats, however, Golden State has been impressed with Smiley Jeek's feel for the game. Despite his limited pedigree, he picks up concepts quickly in a sound basketball instincts. Quote, he really understands the game, forward Draymond Green said. You watch him in practice, the way he can pick up on plays, it's not normal. You go to explain something to him, and he'll be like, I got it. I know. Do this. It says a lot about his basketball IQ. So you you identified that specifically in the article. How high is Golden State on these guys, or on this guy specifically? I mean, talking to Myers, talking to the higher-ups, are they I think excited? he is by far the guy they got in June's draft that they're most excited about, and that includes Pascal. Um, Pascal, obviously— uh, Does is- include Jordan Poole, too, or are they not— <laughs> <laughs> Pasco obviously has has looked really good for a number forty one pick as a rookie, but I think the Warriors look at Pasco as like a solid starter in the NBA. Yeah. And I think they look at Smiley Geach as a potential All Star caliber player. Let's ask that: uh, Will this player be an All Star at some point in his career? What do you guys think? If I had to put the over under at one and a half, I think I would take the under. Personally, but you're still taking one. I think I would take one. Yeah. That's <laughs> that was a tricky little was, move, Wes. One yeah, and a half. Yeah, Let's yeah, put yeah. it at one. Do you take the over or under? Even. Yeah. Okay. okay. So he makes it. He gets I, one. I I'm not saying they're the same player, but I kind of see him having a similar career as like a Nikola Vucevic, huh. who was an All Star last a year. Huge compliment. Yeah. Um. So I would say I would put the over on that. Physical appearance immediately makes me think of Andre Spiedrins, which is like both a good and bad thing. I literally once told a friend that Andre Spiedrins would be a Hall of Famer. So this isn't meant as a housing, but he also wasn't, in fact, a Hall of Famer and did not make an all-star game. So Throwing that, out into the Hall of Famer term pretty loosely. Yeah, that, is, that is what it is. So I just I want to apologize for making it 30 minutes in the podcast before starting to talk about what is for sure the titular component of this <laughs> I'm guaranteeing that this podcast is called Alan You're a huge Smiley guy. He's tried to bring this up. You have no idea. Oh, my God. This like 50 times over. What do you love about him? Uh, Have you followed his G League games and all those things? (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. No, I did not follow his G League games. No, he has not followed his G League games. We do. Well, yeah, because like, what I did do is I went back and watched like a ton of his G League stuff when he got drafted. Um, I mean, he's he's great. What What I like about him is the creativity with which he finishes around the rim. Yep. Um, I think he's got an unbelievable stroke on his jump shot. Um, he's not, got old man game. He, yeah, he's yeah, got, he's little, got a, there's that patience. Yeah. Somebody said patience earlier, and I think that's really good. And you mentioned his creativity at the rim. That's what stands out with his basketball feel. That's when you really see it mm-hmm. is he does have that. He knows when to pump fake, and he knows when to just go for it. I mean, not to put anybody under the bus here, but like Kevon Looney, it just seems like every freaking time he gets the ball <laughs> near the rim, he's he's cuddling it with for like three seconds before he wants to go up with it and it's like smiling he just knows what to do with it and you just threw him under the bus for sure just 100 so you know. yeah, uh, get well sure. soon but it, <laughs> it was it, i i i one of it, that's impressed me his ability his he's got a really good first step too yeah yes. i mean he does his favorite move is the uh the pump fake beyond the arc yep. lower the shoulder Maybe throw a stiff arm in there 
and then get to the rim and dunk it with a tomahawk. That's his favorite move. At 19 years old, could you guys have contributed to an NBA team? Assume talent. I couldn't have contributed. <laughs> assume, assume talent. Okay. So I couldn't like, have contributed to anything. Question, what I'm asking. Could I'm asking. contribute yeah. to my high school JV okay, team? That's exactly, that's exactly what I'm asking. But like, I mean, <laughs> I didn't contribute to have... my. I didn't contribute to dinner with my family. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> what I'm asking. That's what I'm asking. You have this kid's talent, right? Like, there's no question you've got NBA yeah. talent. But you, you know, your whatever your mentality was at 19, is there any way that you could have dealt with the pressures and the realities of an NBA lifestyle? One of the things that stands out to me too with him, the answer is no. They think the, one of the other things that stands out to me too with him is Connor and I geek out about the G League so much that we actually spent one of our off days. We drove down to Santa Cruz, went to one of the uh, Santa Cruz Warriors games, watched Alan Smiley Geach along with Jordan Poole and Kai Bowman and some of the guys that were down there. But uh, there was a moment where Smiley Geach, speaking of his just attitude, his personality, like just takes it upon himself. Santa Cruz down like 15 points or something. He blocks one of the Agua Caliente Clippers at the rim, stares him down for like two beats, and then goes down to the other side of the court and dunks on him, was, and then stares him so down cool. for then three beats. <laughs> and then he just, he let him know, I just stole your lunch money, and you're never gonna eat again. And I freaking loved it. And Connor and I looked at each other and we're just like, this guy's ready, like just send him up, like just let him do stuff. Have there ever been a more G League name than the Agua Caliente Clippers? I don't even understand fully what they are. Hot water Clippers? Right, yes. <laughs> okay, well. No, like, and they're in Ontario, California. Like, I don't, I don't know how that works, but. Um, one, and I'm really mad that I didn't think of this earlier, but. The, what I should have said to your question about the off the court report is that day when we were in Santa Cruz, we were at a hotel. Yeah, I can't get enough of hotel bars. I can't get enough Marriotts in my life. Who can? Because so we went to the Hotel Paradox, which is a Marriott property, and. In Santa Cruz, which I went to recently when I was Shout working out. on a story. <laughs> and For those thinking Marriott supports this show, they do not. <laughs> they do not in any way, shape, or form. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. but but Bonvoy is a great is, is a Master great Elite right here, and, and don't yeah. forget Manscaping. It's amazing we didn't do the we didn't do the take up front, but I'm sure in all Marriotts they invite Manscaping. But I've I've cut you off, Connor. Big fans in the lobby back. Yeah, so we were just hanging out at the hotel bar, really nice hotel bar. If you ever want to go to a good one, Hotel Paradox, uh, and we're we're hanging out there. And I'm I'm looking at this 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 black man and his family at the at the at the bar, and I'm thinking that guy looks really familiar. <laughs> and I'm, I realize, oh my god, it's that's Mayweather. Bubbles. <laughs> that's Sorry. Bubbles from uh, from The Wire, who which is literally my oh. favorite show of all time. The and actor. one of the greatest characters from one of the oh, greatest shows that's of right. all time. Oh, yeah, so the actor was there with his family. <laughs> Apparently they had a, a wedding that they had gone to in the area. I don't like to think of Bubbles as being played by an actor. I like to think of it as just being a straightforward character. But I, I was more awestruck by that than <laughs> anything I've experienced in my adult life. Did you say anything? Did you go up to him? No, I got scared. I got nervous. I <laughs> yeah. was like... How much time did you spend thinking about things you're going to go say to him and then didn't actually go say to him. For an hour. <laughs> yeah. It seemed like it. We 
were we sat there. We just like started googling him. Like, what's he up to now? But you're absolutely right. He's one of those characters where he just you are bubbles. Like, oh, just, of that's who you are. Iconic. No, Iconic. Iconic is a great word. And was he putting red hats on people at the bar? Or, I, mean, I tweeted. I tweeted this like out. Drinking a latte or something. Like it was so weird. <laughs> I prepped that red hat line for weeks. I want you guys he to know that I've he been prepping on that. He did have a beer. Okay, he was wearing a cardigan or something though. That's They're coming for some sort of <laughs> function, but he was it a cardigan function? Otherwise, I was. I was dead. so. <laughs> Tempted to go up to him and and but I I I, did, I got nervous. <laughs> I'm just gonna go ahead and say this only because I love you both. It turns out since the last time I saw both of you, one of you or actually both of you guys first met one of the greatest TV characters of all time, then had some kind of a bomb related experience. And when we asked you the first time, the only story you can come up with is, "Oh, I went to Portland with Connor." Which I mean, I, you and know, we cover the Warriors and they play on? the Portland Trailblazers, yeah, so I mean, that's not surprising. And I feel like the detail you gave me was we got donuts, which is not a story. That's just a bullet point, but we we fixed it. I now. don't know. If it was you're a, a phenomenal it was a audio waste. editor, Maxime. I'm sure you can find a way to oh, no, no, no. bring this, this is back. Saying exactly <laughs> this is gold. I believe is what they call this. So, bottom line, end of the day, any syllables uttered between you and Bo? No. <laughs> not one? Literally not one? He never not said anything? One. No. Maxine, would you have said something? Give us I a real take. <laughs> Give us a real take. Would you have gone up and said something? Would you have been like super, like I, I can imagine spending hours trying to come up with something and then going up in there and having the most awkward, inter- like a bunch of sentence fragments and then running away like super fast. Mm, yeah. How would that have worked out for you? Uh, basically the same, but through my lens, it would come out like I've always decided like if I saw people that have had a huge impact on me in my life, famous musicians, artists, whatever, I would walk up and just say, thank you. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay. So I would inevitably walk up there and say thank you <laughs> and this, that would be the beginning and end of the conversation this is what I told Connor to do and he didn't do it and I think this is a life hack and it's the easiest way to approach what I should have done that's what I should have done you have the waiter come over what is that guy drinking mm. and you order him the drink and either he doesn't ever look at you because it happens to him all the time or he does he look would. at you and then you just go I'm a big fan of the water. Yeah. And everybody listening no. knows exactly what I just did. You give a very, like, a, a, just a head subtle nod. kind of, like, super cool, nod. almost mafia boss. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. that was And me. you know what? No words need to be spoken. He knows exactly who he is. He knows exactly what iconic show he was on and what iconic player uh, character he played on that show. And he knows exactly why he's been bought that drink. And that's it. That's all you need. Do you guys remember the name Chris Porter? No. Chris, Chris Porter was a player of the year for Auburn. This is years back. He got, a, got a, an injury after he was a player of the year and then ended up on the Warriors. Like Here's, national player of the year? Yeah, national player of the year. Here's why I know that. I've Chris Porter, when he started to play for the Warriors, lived next door to me in an apartment when wow. I was living off Keller, uh, Keller Avenue over in Oakland. And I recognized yeah. it almost immediately. I knew who he was. And I was a loser Warriors fan at the time. They were winning 20 games, but I still knew who the hell he was. And I can remember practicing in my apartment what I was going to say to him when I went over. And what I wanted to communicate was, come over and play video games. We can smoke weed or something. I don't know. Like, I had something. And what I can legitimately remember is running over there, knocking on the door, and then throwing out a bunch of sentence fragments that made no sense. It was like, Porter, video games. <laughs> and then, like, ran back to my room. So I am not judging you on your on your relationship with Bubbles at all. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. We, we all don't always have something to say that we'd like to say. All right, uh, that embarrassing story in dough. <laughs> Let me turn back uh, to D'Angelo Russell, or really back to the subject we were just talking about. So 
We went through the possibilities of bringing other players, free agency ads, trades, and the way that leads to D'Angelo is that we all know he's the trade piece, right? He's the guy, at least, we are considering as the main portion of any trade the Warriors would use to bring somebody back. The reason I'm resetting that is because in addition to the Smiley Geach piece we just covered with Connor, Wes wrote a phenomenal piece on D'Angelo Russell. It was entitled, D'Angelo Russell, the NBA's all-star journeyman, hopes to stay in Golden State. So let me start here. How long have you been working on that piece? <laughs> uh, three months. <laughs> not not a small not a small amount and I, no. I knew that and when he says three months like he's not it's not a situation where it's like once a week it's it's like at least five or six times a Connor's week. heard me complain about this multiple times <laughs> did uh, you read any portion of it to bubbles to see what he thought or I did he really liked the part about how Louisville was like gang infested and he was like I can relate <laughs> I knew it I knew that that's exactly what he would ultimately say the street corners yeah who'd you talk to how many people? Oh my god! To... Uh, probably a dozen people. Um, a lot. So D'Angelo is an interesting uh, subject to write about because he is so private and closed off, and uh, that's what made me want to write about him in the first place. It was kind of a challenge, and um, and big challenge, big challenge. And uh, I got a little bit from D'Angelo, got a lot more from his brother, got a lot more from people around him, got a little bit, you know, little little anecdotes, little pieces here and there to kind of put the puzzles. The, yep. Put the puzzle together, but it, it was a long process because he's just not really an open book. And I give I give Wes a lot of credit because you know I've been on the beat for four years now. Not, not like I'm some vet, but my, I remember my first year, I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the low hanging fruit, like yeah. the guys who haven't been That'd profiled, be the guys yes. you know whose stories aren't out there, who who uh, are open, and you know I profiled Zaza, you know I did that type of stuff. But he, you know, his first big hit on the beat, he was like, I'm going to go after the guy that no one's ever been able to profile, even though he's an all-star, because he's so reluctant and so reticent to talk. And I thought, I, I give Wes a ton of credit. I thought it was a phenomenal story. I'll give you props. You are a veteran. I'll also give uh, Wes props. I would not have done that. I would I would have gone to somebody who was hella easy, so I respect that you did it. And I want to learn about this guy. And I'll, I'll, let me put it this way. Hoop is weird. I don't know if it's because they're not covered by equipment. You know, like we see these dudes out there and we get to know their personalities. But as a fan, I feel like I develop relationships with the players. And that's been true for D'Angelo, especially after that Dallas game where he seemingly got hurt with Luka and then was fine. They brought it. But it's weird. We had finally gone through something together. But despite this relationship, I feel like I'm slowly building with him. I don't know shit about him. I mean, nothing. I don't know his personalities. I don't know anything about him. So having talked to these people, spending time, you know, figuring out the Rubik's Cube that is D'Angelo Russell, who is this dude, man? I mean, anything you can give us, personality, anything. What'd you learn about him? He's intensely private, intensely loyal. He's got a very close circle of uh, people and dogs that uh, that he just spends all this time with, and he's very content to do that. He doesn't open up his 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 that circle to a lot of other people, to outsiders. He's very reluctant to do so, and I think that's really interesting um, because as an NBA player, you're a celebrity, and you can have as many friends as yep. you want. Yep, literally, sure. Like you could just know sure. anybody. I mean, we've seen even Steph out there. I mean, I think Steph has a pretty close circle if you were really to talk about who the people are that he trusts. But he's out there, you know, 
with Drake and doing stuff like you never really see D'Angelo doing stuff like that, right? It's pretty interesting. And he could like he was in New York, he was in Los Angeles, and now he's in San Francisco. He's not like going through small markets. Yeah. Like he could have as many celebrity friends as he wants. He doesn't even have those. He's a very close knit circle, like close circle guy. Um, his brother has lived with him. His brother and his best friend have lived with him everywhere since he's been in the NBA, and that's just been his that's just been his group. Um, and I think that's kind of the best way to explain him. He's got things that mean a lot to him. And it's a few things that mean a lot to him, and he carries those things with him everywhere, and he's content with that. One of the details that stuck out from your article that got triggered when you started talking about that was the name of his dog, Nino Brown. Yeah. Um, the idea that he would do that, because he's not old, like Nino Brown, New Jack City, that's my age group, man. It's not D'Angelo Russell, and the idea that he would go old school like that really spoke to me. I really enjoyed that. Um, but let me read a portion of your article to you and then get a follow-up. Here you go. Quote, Moving for the third time in four years has taken a toll on someone who yearns for stability. Though he has heard the relentless speculation that Golden State would be better off trading him, the league's only journeyman all-star hope he's found a long-term home. Since high school, Russell 23 hasn't been in one place for more than two years. His three years at Monteverde Academy were followed by a single year at Ohio State. He was drafted by the Lakers in 2015, traded to Brooklyn in 2017, and then spurred by the Nets in 2019. I'm going to skip a paragraph, even though it was phenomenally well-written, but you ultimately get a quote from him. Quote, I would love for this to be home, Russell said from his chair in the Warriors' San Francisco practice facility. I have a four-year contract. I would love to be here even three years. That would set my record. Do you feel that he meant that? Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing that, like, if I'm him, I'm going to say that. You're not going to be like, I want to be out of here. You've got to communicate to the home team fans, like, look, I love being here, right? Was that a throwaway line, or is that something that he means? I got the sense that he really meant it. That was a 20-minute interview. He said that about halfway through the interview. Um, I felt like we started to, like, kind of break through some ground at that point. Yep. And uh, it would set his record. And it's pretty remarkable when you think about that. He has produced literally everywhere he has been. And you talk about people at the Warriors, Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, Draymond Green. They're just winners everywhere they have gone. And they have managed to establish legacies everywhere they have gone because not only have they produced, but they've won. And D'Angelo has basically done the same thing. I mean, he produced at Ohio State, had a, 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 a you know an all-time season for that program. Yep. I had to leave after one year. Yep. He didn't want to leave after one year. He wanted to stay in college for several years like Draymond Green did and and have his jersey retired. That was his goal when he went to Ohio State. He goes to Los Angeles and stuff happens. He goes to Brooklyn, leads them to the playoffs for the first time in four years after that debacle of a Kevin uh, Kevin Garnett yeah. trade, that whole thing. Gets them, breaks them through, puts them on the on this, this puts them into a situation where they do seem like an actual, where they're in position to sign Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and then they just let him go yep. for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And, like, I'm not saying that's the wrong decision to make, but it's just, it's fascinating where his career has taken him. And it's fascinating to also understand how much he's developed his game and how he's gotten to this 20-point-per-game score at the NBA level, which is really hard to do at the consistency that he does it, without having any sort of continuity coaching-wise, sure. without having any continuity mentor-wise, or just even where he's living. Yep. And uh, I think that speaks a lot to him as a person, but also kind of reflects that that solitude that he's had to take. He's like, well, I can't trust any coaches or any teammates, or I don't know where I'm going to be. He literally told me, I don't know where I'm going to play next week. Yep. That's how he felt. 
This is somewhat conversational whiplash, but we have to acknowledge it. Maxime left right in the middle of this. I mean, he just came back right now. How much Nailed did that fuck it. you up? I mean, like, I think he went to the bathroom. I'm not sure. He's back here now. But did that did it throw your your thought process? I actually didn't even know he was gone. I feel like you did. I feel like you 100 Connor, <laughs> you'll be honest with me. Did he fuck you up? Give Maxime some for leaving right then. I was so fucked up. I didn't say any words that whole okay, time. Okay, that's what I thought. I was okay, like, that's exactly I, right. I've always liked you, Connor. That's so ex- destroyed. That's exactly right. Let's reset it. Um, and let me start with you, Connor. It's too bad because then... I had a bunch of really good takes about... <laughs> we'll never know. We will never know. You bastard. Um, question for both of you. Connor, start us off. Fast forward. Four years. All right? So this is the end of his contract. You still in Golden State? No. Why? Almost no way. Um, I just don't think he's a. I just don't think he's a long term fit with the Warriors. I think for the Warriors to really maximize their potential and get the most out of Steph's remaining prime years, they need to make sure that he can tap into his full potential at all times. And I think that as long as I think as long as Delo's on the court, that he can't he can't do that. Now the sample size of them together has been minimal, yeah. four games. But I think we're going to see when Steph comes back that they're going to struggle when they're on the same court together. Yep. And so that's just you know, and this this team is all about Steph. You know, it's one hundred percent predicated on what Steph needs and wants. And so I think they will trade him. And and I think Wes made a good point earlier. I don't think the market's as good for him as you might assume but i think they're gonna say we don't care well we'll take a robert covington and whatever you know like he just doesn't fit so yeah i like i just maybe it's because i wrote about the dude but like i just strongly disagree with that i just i don't think that you could trade a player with a novel skill set like him for robert covington or other generic three and d player like i just if they first of all let's just we'll go we'll get into the nitty-gritty here the Warriors have a $17.2 million trade exception and another tax level trade exception ready to they they can go get Robert Covington or generic three and D player with to. that. Yeah. That there you go. Yeah. A smart front office, and we all assume that the Warriors have a front uh, a smart front office, would not trade a player like D'Angelo Russell for just veteran pieces to fill out the depth. Especially when you've seen that they were able to fill out depth in the second round with Eric Paschal with an undrafted free agent like Kai Bowman. It just doesn't make sense to me. Let me ask you this. When they acquired him, when this very smart front office acquired him, did they actually want to acquire D'Angelo Russell? Or did they just want to bring back something because they were losing Kevin Durant and they wanted to make sure that the cupboard wasn't bare in exchange for a superstar? I think that they wanted to acquire something. However, I will say this. They had to give up two first-round picks, basically. They gave up a lot. And... You don't just do that for something. You yep. do that for a player who may be able to work out. And if you ask any, like, what would a smart person think? Just generic smart person. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> a smart person would just like, hey, we got this guy for four years. Let's just see how it goes. It's 50-50. Yeah. A smart person would ap- approach this as 50-50. And I think a lot of people approach this as like, no, he's going to get traded for Robert Covington because yeah. he wanted to play in Minnesota in the first place. Like, why would you trade two first-round picks uh, and 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 like look at what they've had. They had to take on a hard cap. Look at what that's done to this team this year. They just had to release Marquise Chris because of it. 
Like they had a lot of sacrifices in order to bring in D'Angelo Russell. You yep. don't just do that for some asset. I, I tell you what speaks to me, and I'll split the difference between the two of you guys. Um, if I am them, the one thing I'm not doing is trading him during this season for what? Right. You know, like the, his value is his value. As, as long, I mean, the, the one risk we have is he might get hurt, but assume that doesn't happen. He continues to have this level of production. There's zero reason to get rid of him before seeing how he adds to this team. You know, and and phenomenal counter. On one side, I viewed this as the reason they brought him is because they just wanted something. Not because they wanted another backcourt member of their backcourt set, but because they wanted something. But the reason they gave up two first-round picks in real value is because they saw him as an actual asset, possibly. The only way that they can negotiate between those two things, is he just a trade piece or is he an actual uh, asset to the team, is watching them play with the team, yeah. right? And they haven't got to do that. I mean, the, the, ultimately, this team's lack of success this year is going to help them, and we've talked about that a million times. But one of the downsides of these injuries is that we don't know how the hell he fits in. Right. And so if I'm Myers, why the f*** would I make that move now? You might as well see what's going down, who's out there, who he is before the, you make The, the thing that's impressed me and surprised me, I guess, about, about D'Angelo is – he seems to be a phenomenal teammate. Um, you know, there's a few road cities where we get to sit right on the court, yeah. right by the bench, and he's by yeah, far Jason. the best. He's by far the best cheerleader outside of maybe Steph. Huh. You know, before Steph was on the bench. Yep. Um, he's he's really into it. He and, and he's the same age as a lot of his teammates, and so they can relate on a certain level. Yep. I know he was really close to Marquise Chris, and I'm sure he's probably a little pissed about yep. about Marquise getting waived but um you know he seems to be a real team-oriented guy a real genuine guy and I personally respect people that are private because sure. it means that you're not fake yep. you know because people who are fake are are out there in front of the cameras trying to get the attention trying to be a big deal he's not that and yeah. I respect that can I make one to two more points on D'Angelo Russell no <laughs> Okay. Yes, of course you can. Uh, Shoot. Fit is overrated. Warriors fans are spoiled. Yep. Okay. That's my first point. Second point. Recent. Fit is overrated. Fit is overrated. That almost anyone in the NBA would disagree with that, but yes. Okay. But it's the reason why every Warriors fan was trying to figure out how what else we could get with Robert Covington for a D'Angelo Russell trade. Yeah. You know what I don't want? Robert Covington. Yeah. Like I'm sorry. Wrong with that. How about Andrew Wiggins? No, it's none of it. Like I don't care. I really like, have Robert talent, Covington and Andrew it, it, Wiggins. It Wiggins actually had a renaissance fit, season. Fit is overrated. Talent is underrated. Like it's just like there's not a lot of guys in the NBA that could do what D'Angelo Russell does. Yeah. And I think at some point, like we just need to appreciate that. And it's like you know what, Steph, D'Angelo, Clay, they'll just figure it out. They'll make it work. Like at what point do we just kind of let them figure it out? And so, I think they will. The, go who ahead. guards the three? That's where fit Clay. matters to me. Clay. So there you go. So who no guards problem. the two then? Well, that's, that's where another D'Angelo luxury Clay will, that Clay provides is. Well, he guards the three, but that he makes that's, he makes positions not matter. But this would be if my you're doing a, if, to fit doesn't matter. If, if you're if, if you're a heavy switching defense, yep. D'Angelo can switch. We know that they that Steve Kerr has found ways to hide Steph Curry. Yep. I don't think it's a problem. D'Angelo is a one on one defender. God awful. Yeah. Can't do it. That's, this reminds me of way the hell back when they actually drafted Steph and uh, Monte Ellis was still on the team. He was quoted at that time and he was 
villainized, demonized when he did it. But he said, we can't win together. And he wasn't necessarily wrong. What he was saying right. is that if we're this small in a backcourt, we can't guard anymore. Right. If I'm it's gonna, what Portland is dealing with now with Damian exactly and CJ. Right. And so the, the, the underrated I, thing with D'Angelo is he ain't small. That's what I was going to ask. I mean, that, and that's literally where I think this was going to go. But just to vocalize it, if I was going to give you any crap about the fit doesn't matter, that's where the fit would matter for me. Man. Offensively, these guys will figure it out. They're like great musicians. You know, yes. like if, if they were both playing the same melody, one of them would be able to flip and they would make this a, a phenomenal song. Defensively, it's where I'm a little bit worried. Yeah. You know, um, and but this to, to bring everything together. That's why they have to watch them play. Yeah. You know, I mean, we won't know. It, uh, all of this is speculation until they're actually on the court right. for more than what? 20 games? You know, 30? How many games do we actually get to uh, watch them play before we know? And they haven't done more than 10 right yeah. now. So they're going to have to wait and see. And it's, you know, maybe it doesn't work completely defensively. But then again. You didn't answer the question, though. I, or I, question? I didn't give you an opportunity to answer the question. Fast forward four years right. into this contract. Is he here? I think there's a better chance than people are giving right. giving it for. And I, one the other point that I wanted to make here was that maybe the fit doesn't work necessarily with Curry on offense or defense, but what was the biggest problem? If we're going to build this team around Steph, what was the biggest problem for the Warriors? Not the biggest, but uh, among the biggest problems for the Warriors during the Steph Curry era is that the team craters when he's off the court. Always. Yeah. And if you can have it's D'Angelo Russell on the... His plus minus is incredible, and it's a testament to him, but it's also a testament to Quinn Cook being his backup. You. Yeah, And yeah. I, I do think that if you have D'Angelo Russell on the court there, you are able to now manage those minutes. You're able to smooth out that plus minus across a 48-minute game and across an 82-game season and then later in the playoffs. Yep. What they That's not a problem to me. The problem to me is the last five minutes of the game when both of those guys got to be on the court yep. and you got to figure it out. Yep. Um, and they'll, I, again, going back to what we were talking about before, they'll figure it out. LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, they figured it out. What you are highlighting is the advantage of talent in the NBA. They don't all have to be on the floor at the same time. And if you can stretch out that talent through 48 minutes, then it's the same advantage you would have as if they can actually play together. So that makes perfect sense to me. Here is a quote from your article I was kind of excited to read um, just because it gave me a little sense of this dude. And I, again, I don't know him at all. But quote, D'Angelo and his older brother, Antonio Jr., grew up with their mother and father in Louisville's rough West End, a neighborhood filled with with corners promising casual violence and gangs capable of ensnaring the most innocent. Getting a job at the local Ford factory is considered making it. Quote, it's a city filled with settling, Antonio Jr. said. If I hadn't f***ed up the quote, I would have told you that it was well written. What did you learn about this guy's childhood? Who is he? Yeah, that was one of my favorite. Uh, that was all Antonio, his brother, just kind of gave me an insight to him. But um, you know, they they did grow up in the, the West End of Louisville. A lot of gang violence, a lot of poverty, a lot of things like that. They wouldn't get into necessarily the specifics of what they saw, but both of them would say, "We basically saw shit that you would never want to see." Yeah, and so right. you can kind of just assume. You can just go from there. Huh. Um, their mother and father actually. There's not a lot of two parent households in that area and they had one you know they had their mother and father were together they were raised by them um and their father actually made it a priority very early in their childhood to get them out of west louisville and uh and was able to do that when d'angelo was 12 and that was a big inflection point i think in his life was basically saying like look you're gonna we're gonna move you out they moved to valley station which is a suburban neighborhood uh in louisville and and they kind of they escaped that part and so i think d'angelo and antonio's dad had that awareness like we need to leave here because 
this would be better for the family, but also because D'Angelo's got an opportunity now to go to Central High School, where he always wanted to attend high school because it was Muhammad Ali's high school, and after one freshman season, could then go to Montverde, which is a basketball powerhouse that's produced people like Ben Simmons. So I, I to me, it felt like that that childhood was always sort of planned around D'Angelo a little bit. It's not a coincidence that they moved when he was 12 sure. and ready to kind of go to that next stage sure. uh, of schooling. And it kind of reflects the whole thing that is Ben D'Angelo's life. Is it, It's maybe sheltered is not the right word, but it kind of everything revolves around him and his basketball talent and what he can and how to make the most of it. And it, that's just, that's why I started that, that second section of my article with that, what you were talking about was because it, it really kind of just, it, it it's a domino effect of the rest of sure. his life. Do you want me to read it again and f*** it up again or? Yeah, please do yeah, it. I, I can do that. I can yeah, do it. Was, sure. It genuinely was beautifully written. So. <laughs> yeah, well, good. you couldn't really <laughs> yeah, get that sense you know, as uh, I stumbled you can, through you it. Can read it at, you can read it at mercurynews.com. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Or you can check read it. Check my Twitter at WC Goldberg. <laughs> yeah, you can read my stumbling account of it uh, right here on the Warriors Huddle. Boys, let's use that as our final transition. Get into a brand new segment, one I am fired up about, like really fired up about. We've been kind of playing around with it, the questions we should ask, and I think we've got enough in the can now where we can explore it. The segment itself is called Meet the Press. Here's the idea. Our audience knows you guys. Um, they've had a chance, Connor, to learn with you for at least four years now. Wes, they're quickly growing up with you. They know you guys. There's almost like a soap opera angle to this podcast because they get to know all of our personalities. But... This segment is designed to deepen that understanding, just questions that give us a sense of who the hell you are, right? So in this instance of Meet the Press, here's the concept and the question. At least in my life, and I bet most people's lives, there's moments when we look back at things we've done, interactions we've had, conversations we've had, where we wish we had just done it differently. You know, like you you cringe immediately thinking how you handled it, and that's what I want to explore. Moments either in your life or in your career that make you cringe when you look back on it. I'll go first so that we are uh, all being a little bit more revealing than we need to. So I've talked about it before. I went to an Oakland public high school. In fact, I was the only white dude in the OAL, the Oakland Athletic League, for the entire time. The weird effect of that is that I was positive I was a black teenager for about five or six years. I mean, just positive. And the school I went to, the college I went to was UC Santa Cruz, maybe the most white place on the face of the earth. And as a freshman, I took African-American studies. And when I look back on that class, there was maybe 20 people in it, you know, probably the only 20 black people on the UC Santa Cruz uh, campus. This will be a shock. I was the only white person in there. I raised my hand a lot, <laughs> really a lot. And then things like, well, in Oakland, and when I hear those things, when I think back on it, I cringe, my God, I was a skinny white Jew. What the fuck was I doing in there? It's awful. I should not have been there in any capacity at all. So my life is filled with these, just chock filled with them. And I'm sure I'll have an opportunity to explain other ones as we go forward. You guys. Has there been something like that in your life? Something where, you know, you didn't handle it exactly the way you wanted it to. The one that comes to mind is a couple years ago, we're in Detroit, and it's uh, it's a practice availability at Detroit Mercy, uh, University, University of Detroit Mercy. And obviously, Draymond is from Saginaw, which isn't that far away. So it's kind of his homecoming game, right? And he, so we're talking to him about Detroit and his experience with Detroit and, 
you know, going there a lot as a kid and, and how it's changed. And, and, um, you know, we're, we started talking about downtown and then I, it was a group availability and I interjected and I asked, so what do you think of, you know, all the, <laughs> I'm hell of excited to hear this. Hell of excited. I, <laughs> It was it was really bad because I basically asked like, well, but you know, gentrification's really helped downtown Detroit. And he looked at me and stared at me for like three solid seconds and was like, "What did you just say?" If you had said that in my African American studies class, I would have busted your ass. <laughs> he just was like, "Dude, did you really just say that?" And it was like crickets, and it was like. I was like, ah. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> Perfect example. And he was like, he was like, well, I'm not really a fan of gentrification, um, but yeah. <laughs> and it was really awkward. And Mark Medina, who was standing next to me at the time, literally to this day, will bring that up and be like. You could ask another gentrification question. I, mean, I hate to tell you this, but he brought it up to me. I've heard this story through Mark Medina, so he has, in fact, oh. shared this with other people. And you are on the money on uh, on his perception of it. Great story, great example. Uh, so I haven't been on the beat long enough to have like a really terrible gentrification question. <laughs> uh, mostly, my my Not days many are, have. my my days are filled with like awkward high fives and like, what's your name again? Uh, <laughs> But I actually, I don't know if this is like a cringeworthy moment, which I have several. Um, but as far as professionally related, like I actually had like my fourth, my, my fourth wall broken the other day. Steve Kerr mentioned my name and I didn't really, I wasn't really sure that he knew my name. I wasn't sure like anybody knew my name. Cause again, my days are mostly filled with like, what do you do? Why are you here all the time? And we were just standing, we, we had a, a media scrum after a practice one time and he, I asked one question uh, I can't I can't remember what game it was, but I asked a question after. The, oh, it was after the the Houston Christmas game, and uh, I asked him something about like, would you have ran that sort of defensive strategy earlier in the season? And he said it was a good question. I was like, thanks, appreciate it. And then uh, at the next day, somebody asked a question, and then he referenced my question. And he was like, Wes asked me about that last night, and I was like, oh, snap. Like you know my name, and it was like for me, like I'm like just like sitting there recording the, this this interview, and he's like Wes asked me that question. It's just sort of weird. Like I've spent so much time around Steve Kerr, and then for him to actually say my name back to me, Connor, is this the exact opposite of the story we were looking for? Because it feels like he's telling us a moment no, no. that made him feel. Really I am important. telling you that I am like so really I am so in, I am so insanely insecure <laughs> that another human saying my name actually meant and resonated with me. I just wish to God somebody would say my name. I haven't even reached that Two level of yeah <laughs> big destiny Childs fan i had i had i had the disc when i was a kid <laughs> you can play it right now if, if you would do you have it i would yeah, love we, we've got it right fired up you. on spotify let's go shout what out you got, spotify Maxine, you got one for us sure yeah um i have does spent this, a, does it involve steve kerr knowing your name and praising you <laughs> oh he doesn't know your name of oh, cool. <laughs> no he does not I spent a total of zero days on the beat, so I definitely don't have any opportunities to ask Draymond about gentrification, um, <laughs> which is a sad story in and of itself. Um, but the thing that came to mind that I still cringe about to this day, it's one of those things where like randomly I'll be walking down the street and then like it'll just hit me. Like, Fuck, I really did that. Um, I was in middle school and... Uh, 
uh, had a middle school crush on this girl named Emma Sarconi, and I shout decided, out. yeah, shout out <laughs> Emma. Whatever happened to her? Uh, she I stays at the Marriott. She on Facebook. Think she was <laughs> a, a uh, librarian. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know what she's up to. Shout out yeah. Facebook. Yeah. My God, <laughs> she could or could not be a librarian. She also may work at Starbucks, now, but definitely a librarian. Does she have that like nerdy vibe going on? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right, which is why I thought she was cute as yeah. a seventh grader, and Girl so I decided floor. the best way to manifest my interest in her was to get a couple of my friends to find an old pair of denim jeans Smart. and stick a traffic cone through the crotch and chase her around the PE area. No, that didn't work. <laughs> Jurassic so you guys are married today? <laughs> Did you say junior high? Junior <laughs> high. <laughs> Wait a minute, dude. Wait a minute. I need more details on this. That is that legitimately insane. We're we talking like late junior high, like eighth grade, sixth grade. How I early? think it was seventh grade. No, I no, I don't even think it was seventh grade. Where'd you get the traffic cone? Where, where do you always get a traffic cone? You know, around. I don't. I don't always get traffic cones. I have never used a traffic cone in anything. So, so the fun thing about this, and the, probably the reason that it's still cringeworthy is my dad found out that this happened like word got around that like i basically like sexually <laughs> abused this person like you got um, in trouble oh yeah oh, and my God. dad was like okay no and drove me to her household. Oh my god, that's And we really sat bad. down on the couch. Oh my god. And I had to apologize in front of her and her parents. Were you wearing yeah. the traffic cone during the apology? <laughs> my god. My on dad's your head. Not that not, really that, that, that had to be a scarring Obviously. <laughs> I learned a lot. <laughs> Jeez, that I'm dumbfounded right now. I'm speechless. I, I don't even know where to go from this. Okay, you win this segment. <laughs> yeah, nicely done. Hooray! Unquestioned, you win the segment. Also, let the record reflect that throughout this entire podcast, Maxime, in fact, has been wearing a t- traffic cone that sticks out right from his crotch area. Which I didn't oh, that's understand. what's poking me? Yeah. That's- <laughs> okay, well... We've reached the nader on the humor today, boys and girls. Uh, nicely done. Uh, we're not going to find anything that is funnier than the line that we have just reached, so let's go ahead and close this out. It's only been about a four-hour podcast, so it seems like a good time to close it. Uh, we appreciate you guys on a weekly basis, but far more importantly, boys, I know that I'm not the only person who enjoys your perception and your work, so let's make sure that the people out there can uh, get as much of it as they can. Connor, let's start with you. If people need more Letourneau in their life, where do they go? Yeah, Twitter, con underscore cron, sfchronicle.com. I have my own podcast as well, Warriors Off Court. Uh, it's on iTunes, so subscribe. Mr. Goldberg, what do you got? Follow me on the gram at WC Goldberg. Boom, and he... Well, you're, uh, you're just being that gram guy, huh? <laughs> I mean, you've got a podcast, nothing else. Just going to leave it right there. You have a podcast. They'll find it. <laughs> With that in mind, go Warriors, and hopefully, we'll see you next week. Good, good.